Good evening, my brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the day that the Lord has made. We are rejoicing and we are glad about it. Good evening to each of you and happy new year. Happy new year to the Bible study uh, group. Uh, amen. Good to see everybody already in. Amen. Yeah, go ahead and share tonight's Bible study. Good to see you all are already populating the timeline. Brenda Alexander, our good friend from over in New McRaven Hill. I see you in the room tonight. Amen. Shelby Moore, Pauline Henderson, Virgie Butler, Jean Clark, Lily Naylor, Teal Cheatham. Amen. Sharon Harris. Good to see all of you tonight. Happy New Year. I pray that your year is going well. Amen. We're uh, a few days in, six days into the new year already. Amen. Good evening, Patricia Booth. Amen. Good to have you all with us, Verdi. Martin, Pamela Adams, Mary Hodges, Annie Sexton, amen. Christopher Johnson, good evening to you, my brother. God is a great God, greatly to be praised. What an awesome God we serve. What a day this is, amen. A day this is unlike any other uh, for a number of reasons. I know you've been watching the news, and so all I can say right now is pray. Uh, pray for our nation, pray for our country. Uh, Listen, I, I, I'm I'm at a loss for words on so many levels. So uh, without going into that very much, pray for our country, pray for our nation, pray for our leaders. Amen. Pray for our leaders that, um, that they will have the courage uh, that they need at a time like this. Pray also, listen to me, pray also for uh, th those who are uh, protecting uh, the, the Capitol building, those who have been called in on SWAT teams, uh, National Guardsmen and women uh, who are called to protect uh, that area of our nation's capital. Pray for them uh, that they will be uh, uh, protected and guarded uh, by God's hedge of protection. Amen. 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 I'm looking at others who are in the room. Joyce Alexander. Amen. Good to see you all. Gloria Young, Bianca Thompson. Amen. Leslie Ball, God bless you, Sister Mae Johnson, Paula, Carolyn. Amen. Good to have each of you on this evening. I pray that you had a great, a great holiday, great Christmas, and a great new year. And we are starting the new year uh, with a new Bible study. Uh, we want to begin a new Bible study this uh, this evening. Before we do, uh, why don't we have a word of prayer and we will get started? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we bless your name on this night. We thank you for who you are, for the great and awesome power that you have. We thank you, God, that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And that in and through all situations, you will be praised. So, God, we do pray a special blessing now. Ask that you would bless uh, our nation, bless our country. While we go through this period of transition, God, we pray that, that you would keep us safe. God, we pray that you would keep those who serve safe. Lord, we pray that the schemes and the tricks of the enemy and even the weapons of the enemy would be to no avail. They would not prosper. 
in the name of Jesus. God, we the people of God now stand and come against every device, every demonic force. And we pray, oh God, that your kingdom would stand and rise triumphantly in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Oh God, rule and reign as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. So listen, you all, new Bible study tonight. We want to talk about, we want to talk about the gospel, the gospel of Mark, the gospel of Mark. We want to begin a new Bible study tonight on the gospel of Mark. And you might, you might, you might be asking the question now, why pastor in, in everything that we're going through right now, everything that we're faced with right now, why <laughs> of everything we ought to be studying, why are we talking about the gospel of Mark? That seems so uh, outdated. I mean, can't you come up with something a little more um, um, uh, up to date and, 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 and according to the day, the, the, the times that we're in? And I want to say to you that according to the times that we're in, there's probably no book, no gospel that is more appropriate than the gospel of St. Mark. And I'll tell you why. Because Mark's gospel, more than any other gospel, presses the point that Jesus, two words I want you to keep in, in mind when we talk about the gospel of Mark, that is number one, authority you will see the word authority come up in Mark's gospel over and over and over again. Because Mark wants the reader to understand that Jesus has authority over everything. There is nothing in this world that usurps the authority of Jesus Christ. And, and listen, if, if that's not a word for right now, I don't know what he is. <laughs> Authority. G Mark, Mark goes to the extremes to make sure that having read his gospel, that the reader walks away from that gospel knowing that Jesus has absolute authority. You ought to type that in the timeline, just that word, authority. Authority. And over and over and over again, you will see Mark bring up this idea and prove that Jesus has authority. And it begins in the very first chapter. In Mark chapter one, the very first chapter, you see Jesus uh, is confronted with a, a man who is possessed with demons. And in that very first chapter, you see Jesus confronting this demon-possessed man and exercising authority over demons. In Mark chapter two, Mark chapter two, we see Jesus confronted with a lame man and he has authority not over, not just over demons, but he has authority now over diseases. I, I'm already feeling my help right here. Authority over demons in Mark chapter one, authority over diseases in Mark chapter two. In Mark chapter three, he calls the 12 disciples, right? 
12 disciples, he calls them to be with him and to follow him. And in so doing, that number 12, representing the 12 tribes of Israel, Mark is saying, hey, this is a Jesus who brings back the 12, the, 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 uh, what God establishes in the Old Testament, Jesus fulfills in the New Testament by bringing these 12 men as disciples representing the 12 tribes of Israel. He's God and has authority over demons, over diseases, over disciples. Amen, somebody. Mark chapter, chapter four, Mark chapter four, Jesus, Jesus says, Jesus says uh, to the wind and the waves in the storm, peace be still, peace be still. He speaks, and and so and so. By the time we get to chapter four, you 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 have you have the the the, the disciples asking the question: What manner of man is this? Who is this that he can speak even to the wind and the waves? And they obey him. Mark is about understanding that whatever is going on in our world and in our lives, that it cannot compare to the authority that Jesus Christ has. He has authority and he can address whom he will, what he will, and it or they must obey. For at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow, every tongue must confess that he is Lord. So it's about authority. And we need, we need to know, we need to know uh, this sixth day of January, that the God we serve, our Savior and our Redeemer has absolute authority. We, we need to know that. We need to remember that. We, we don't need to be confused about this. What, what we see happening in Washington, what we see happening in D.C., what we see happening all across this nation, we don't need to be confused about the fact that Jesus Christ has authority. That's the first thing. But then then there's there's another word. I don't know if I gave this to you or not. Uh, oh, did y'all say hello to, to TA this evening? <laughs> Amen. I forgot to tell y'all to say hello to TA. But listen, another word is is immediacy. Immediacy. That that over and over again in the in the gospel of Mark, you see this word and immediately. Right? Mark moves, Mark moves very swiftly in terms of, of the gospel writers. Um, it's a it's a fast-paced kind of gospel. It moves quickly and, and 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 it moves from scene to scene. You find Jesus moving from here to there, going from this, that, and the other. And he's moving with authority. He's moving with immediacy. And immediately you will see God, uh, uh, Mark's gospel say, and immediately this happened. And immediately after that, this happened. And immediately after that. So it's a fast-paced gospel. And I believe Mark does this because he wants us to understand that that Jesus as our savior and as our redeemer is not slothful <laughs> right he's not lazy right but he's moving he's he's moving with power he's moving with immediacy he's moving with authority he's moving with with intentionality right and he moves from place to place touching ministering serving and making sure 
that people know who he is. So we want to talk about, we want to talk about, amen. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this already. We want to talk this evening about the gospel of Mark. I've got a friend, I've got a friend who's going to help introduce uh, a little bit further with an overview, this video overview uh, of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, so, so let's 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 listen to her for just a second. The Gospel of Mark isn't like the other three Gospels. It's short and terse. It doesn't mess around with poetry or with trying to tell a beautiful story. Mark is focused on action, and the action in Mark goes by so fast it almost feels hard to process. But maybe that was the whole point. In Mark, you don't find the story of Jesus' birth. Mark blasts right off the starting blocks with grown-up Jesus getting baptized. That's because to Mark, the sign that Jesus was the Messiah didn't come at Jesus' birth. It came at the baptism, when God's voice was heard to declare, this is my beloved son. After the baptism, it's on to the temptation in the wilderness, followed by Jesus recruiting his disciples. And that's all within the first chapter. But it makes sense that the disciples show up so early in Mark. That's because Mark is all about discipleship. In Mark, we see a lot through the disciples' eyes. We witness Jesus feeding the multitudes twice. We see Jesus stilling a storm and the disciples awe and fear. They ask each other, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is a pretty common response for Jesus' crew of 12. In Mark, discipleship is challenging and sometimes overwhelming. The disciples aren't always sure how to process everything they're seeing, and so they sometimes come across as fearful and weak. The disciples regularly struggle to believe even after witnessing Jesus' remarkable acts, like walking on the water and raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. In Mark, discipleship means questioning, stumbling, and learning. It also means discovering how to be faithful in spite of persecution. Actually, that's the cool thing about Mark. It isn't just about the experience of discipleship. It's a how-to how to be a disciple yourself. Ah. The power of Mark is that it brings you right into the action of Jesus' ministry and lets you feel some of what the disciples felt. But it doesn't leave you there. Mark also reassures present-day disciples that disbelief can change to faith and then to understanding. Amen. God bless. So listen, listen, let's Let's, with that overview, let's let's explore just a bit about the the distinction uh, of Mark's gospel, right? What what really distinguishes the gospel of Mark from the other gospels, Matthew, uh, Luke, and John? And and let's start perhaps with this whole idea of what is the gospel anyway, right? What 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 does it mean when we say the gospel? right? The gospel of, the gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Mark, the gospel of Luke, the gospel of John. When we use that word gospel, uh, the word gospel uh, is derived from an old English word, God spell, G-O-D-S-P-E-L, God spell, which means literally good news, okay? So the gospel means 
good news. That's number one. When we talk about the gospel, the God spell, it is good news. Now, uh, the Greek translation for that word, when we see it in the Bible, it is euangelion. Euangelion uh, is literally translated, it's the word rather uh, that, that we use to, to, that is derived for the word evangelism. Um, uh, it, it is translated good news, but but it's the word that we use uh, to 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 speak that word evangelism. So when we say evangelism, it is the euangelion, the good news, the good news. Well, what good news? What is the good news? We'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, but but here's what I want you to know: the gospels, all gospels, whether it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, gospels are biographical. Gospels are historical, but they are not meant to tell the whole story of Jesus, right? As, as our friend just said a little while ago, uh, when you look at Mark's gospel, Mark jumps right in to a grown-up Jesus. It's Jesus at his baptism. Well, Matthew is very different. Matthew begins with the birth, actually, it's not even the birth of Christ. Matthew begins with the, with the genealogy before Christ is born. Um, uh, John, John goes even further back uh, than the genealogy, talking about in the beginning uh, was the word, right? And and so and so you got all these different entry points uh, into who Jesus is, and that's the point of these different gospels. Because each gospel writer is dealing with Jesus from various perspectives, right? Uh, each gospel writer is dealing with Jesus uh, in a different way, hoping to uh, give us, uh, it's just like just like four sides, think of a square, right? You got four sides to that square. And each side, uh, the gospels are giving us a different perspective of who Jesus is. Mark, well, let's let, I'll tell you what, let's 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 deal with Matthew for a second. If you dig, look at Matthew, Matthew is writing particularly for a Jewish audience. Okay. When Matthew writes his gospel, let's let's say he's writing from this side, right? And he's writing, he's writing uh particularly for Jews. He's writing for people um, um who are familiar with the Old Testament. He's writing for people who have been waiting for the, the, the coming of, of this Messiah, this promised Messiah. He's writing to people who understand Isaiah's prophecy, who understand uh, Ezekiel and Daniel. He's writing to that audience of people who have been waiting for this promised king. That's, that's Matthew's gospel, which is why, which is why he, he takes time to deal with the genealogy of Jesus. Right when you when you open up Matthew's gospel, it begins with a genealogy, who he is, where did he come from. That's why Matthew does that because he wants to he wants the reader to be able to trace back and go back and see the line from the Old Testament now to this Jesus. Are you with me? Are you with me? Uh, uh, Mark Mark writes Mark writes primarily to Gentile Christians, probably those who are living in Rome. He's, he's writing not to, to Jewish uh, believers, he's writing to Gentile people who have, 
who have come to believe or who will come to believe who Christ is. His audience is basically people who are in the Roman Empire who are unfamiliar with the religion of Judaism. So he so he he's writing from if if Matthew is writing from over here, then Mark is writing from over here, right? He's writing to a completely different group of people. Luke, Luke, when you read Luke's uh, gospel, it opens up and he says to most excellent Theophilus, right? Theophilus uh, is a Greek name. Uh, Luke is a doctor, a physician. And so Luke is, is Luke's writings are, are much, uh, a little more detailed, um, um, scholarly, you might say. Um, uh, let me let me say what the old folk used to say: highfalutin. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, he, he, he writing to highfalutin folk, right? Um, uh, um, uh, the most excellent Theophilus, written to non-Jews by a non-Jew, but but this sort of a little more a little more polished in language. Okay. Um, John, John is writing, John is writing for a more general audience, right? And you'll get this and I'll, I'll get, I'll get to this in a minute. But when John writes, John writes in, in his, it's John chapter 20, I believe it is, John chapter 20, I believe it is, where he says, uh, and these things were written so that in reading them, you might believe that Jesus is the son of God. He, John, John takes the time to 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 carefully carefully chronicle um, uh, specific um, miracles, specific I am statements, and he chronicles all of this information, and he does so for the express purpose that whoever reads it walks away from it knowing that Jesus is the Son of God. So it's a very general audience. Matthew, let me go back to Matthew for just a second. So when Matthew writes to this Jewish audience, when Matthew writes to this Jewish audience, <laughs> Matthew is writing from the perspective of Jesus being the son of David, which is why, again, he begins with a genealogy. He wants to trace, he wants to trace Jesus's genealogy back to the Old Testament and saying that this is, watch this, the, the, the root of Jesse. This is the stem of David, right? So, so it is that, that idea of tracing him back through his genealogy. He is the son of David. When Mark writes to this Gentile, these Gentile Christians, Mark is writing uh, so that you understand that Jesus is the son of man the son of man. You'll see that 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 uh, phrase used over and over again. Instead of the son of David, you see the son of man, which 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 says that that he is not not um, um, uh, he is born um, uh, uh, of of he. Let, let's say it like this, though he has all authority, he is absolutely human. He is not he is not supernatural in the sense that 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 he does not uh, know uh, uh, what it is to be human, right? He is the son of man. Luke, 
most excellent Theophilus, remember this highfalutin language, uh, Luke writes uh, from the perspective of him being the son of Adam. And so when Luke writes, he wants it to be clear that 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 uh, Jesus uh, is the second Adam who comes. This second Adam, he he is the son of man, yes, but he is he is the this second Adam who has come to redeem, who has come to save. And then John writes, John writes, so that you will know that he is the son of God, the son of God. Okay, so you got the son of David, the son of man, the son of Adam and the son of God, those four gospels, those four gospels. I should have made a, I'm doing this with my hands. I should have made a, a, a PDF so you can see that. I'll, I'll do that next time uh, right, and sort of map that out for you guys. Mark, Mark predates all of the gospels. It is thought to be the oldest of all the gospels. It is written by John Mark, um, and Mark John Mark is thought to have taken the eyewitness accounts of Peter to be the source material for his gospel. Okay, so John Mark is not an eyewitness of these things. Rather, he is collecting what Peter has witnessed, brings them all together, and writes this gospel. Okay? What is the, for what purpose? For what point? Here's what I want you to understand about all the gospels. The gospels are written not simply to inform us, but to transform us. The Gospels are written not just to inform, it's not just for head knowledge, it's for heart transformation. And so when we read the Gospels, whichever one we read, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and we understand, yes, that each comes from a different perspective, each is writing to a different audience, each has its own sort of uh, individual intentionality in the writing, in the authorship. We got to understand that all of them are written, not just for head information, but for heart transformation. All of them are written so that we will come to the space of knowing who Jesus is and that we will have our own encounter with this Christ. Okay. Mark demonstrates. What does Mark demonstrate? I told you already that Mark demonstrates authority as the son of God, uh, but Mark also demonstrates compassionate service. Mark also demonstrates compassionate service. Again, you see him immediately, Mark uses this word, this language, and immediately this happened, right? He's going from place to place, touching people, serving people, and ministering to people who are in need. So Mark, Mark is fast action. Mark is full of authority. Mark um, has, has this idea of service and discipleship at its core. It's about how do we become disciples and how do we, how do we 
um, come into the place of not only seeing his authority, but also experiencing that authority as his own disciples. Theme verse. I'm just I'm just building this up right now. Okay, I'm just build. I'm trying to give you some some groundwork as we get into this gospel. Okay, there's a theme verse that I want you to look at, Mark chapter ten, that I think really sums up and really helps to capture the body, the gravity. Uh, of Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. If there's a theme verse in Mark, I think, I think this really serves as it. The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, going back to that idea again about compassionate service, that Jesus says he's not come to be served, but to serve. And then he says this to his disciples, that if you want to be great in the kingdom, you can't be somebody who's looking to be served. You must become first a servant to all. You, you, you cannot, you, if, and then he says, listen, if, if I, if I, the master, am serving. You can't think yourself to be greater than the master. Okay? So compassionate service is what Mark's gospel is about. Authority and service. And what he says to each of us is that if we are going to be his disciples, that we must be committed to serving also. Are you with me so far? Again, Again, we're just trying to lay some groundwork for tonight, all right? So in this last this last, um, this last uh, portion that I want to uh, give you for tonight, who is Mark? Who, who is this guy? We talked about the gospel. We talked about what gospels are, what gospels do. And oftentimes you will see, you might see in your, in your Bible study, you might see this term synoptic gospel, S-Y-N, O-P-T-I-C, synoptic gospel. Uh, the synoptic gospels refer to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those three. John is not a part of what's called the synoptic gospel. Synoptic simply means uh, that, that, that you can sort of line up Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You can sort of line up the miracles that are there, uh, the storyline that is there, um, and though there are variances, again, because of the audiences to whom they are writing, uh, because of the perspectives that they're writing from, you can still pretty much line up the stories and see a see the common thread, see those miracles occurring, those things happening with some sort of uh, uh, linear approach to how they're being told. John, John is completely different. John, you can't line up the way you can line up Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, and again, Mark doesn't line, none of them line up perfectly, uh, but those three you can line up with some, with, you know, some, some bit of here, 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 this is, here, this is, and see it. John is completely different. So it's not a part of what we call the synoptic gospels. You're going to feel real, you're going to feel real, um, 
you're going to feel like, you know, a real uh, class uh, on, on this study. I, we, and we're going to go, just so you know, we're going to go for some length of time uh, in this study, the, the Gospel of Mark. We may go for a couple of months, actually, um, uh, in the Gospel of Mark. But I promise you, it will not be boring because the Gospel of Mark moves. It moves and 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 there's there's so much in each in each passage uh, for us to dissect that then draws us back to uh, Mark's understanding and what Mark is trying to make us understand as readers. But who is Mark? Glad you asked. Acts chapter twelve. Acts chapter 12, verse 12, first introduces us to this figure, Mark, called John Mark. Um, Mark, or John Mark by name. Uh, when Peter, Peter in Acts chapter 12, Peter escapes from prison and he goes to um, where Christians are gathered praying. He goes to this house where the Christians are gathered and guess whose house it is? It's Mark's mother's house where Peter goes. Um, and so that's where we first learn about this, this figure, Mark. Uh, in the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter four, that's when we learn and where we learn that Mark uh, is the cousin of Barnabas. And you will remember that Barnabas uh, and Paul um, are, are, are co-laborers uh, in, in missionary journeys. Uh, Mark and Barnabas, I'm sorry, Paul and Barnabas um, go together across uh, Asia in Asia Minor, establishing the early churches, establishing these congregations uh, in these parts of, of the world. Um, Mark, Mark goes along with them uh, and is a helper with them in some of these early uh, missionary journeys. However, we learn later on, uh, for some reason, we don't know why, uh, that Mark left Paul and Barnabas. Y'all will remember this. So I've, ta I've taught it before. That Paul, uh, uh, that that Mark leaves Paul and Barnabas. We don't know why. The Bible doesn't tell us why, but it leaves them. And later on, uh, Paul uh, uh, wants to go to some of the earlier churches that he and Barnabas uh, had established to go and check on them to see how those congregations are doing. Barnabas says, "Okay, let me go and get Mark uh, to come and join us." And Paul is like, "Whoa, no, not." I know that's your cousin and all, but, uh, <laughs> you know, your cousin trip, your cousin left us. Um, and you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really feeling him coming along with us again because, you know, he, we looked around and Mark was ghost. Mark was gone. And so there was a falling out between, um, Paul and Barnabas over Barnabas cousin, Mark, who is the writer of this gospel, that's that's this same Mark, this same Mark, and it, there's a great there's a great story to be told here, folks, because oftentimes we think people who have failed 
are absolute failures. Can I, can I preach this for just a moment? The fact that Mark is the writer of this gospel ought to help us understand that when we've missed the mark, it doesn't mean that we still can't be used by God. For whatever reason, Mark turned around. He didn't press forward. He had an issue that didn't keep him on the battlefield with Paul and Barnabas. But Mark writes this gospel, and it is by all accounts the first gospel to be written. And that ought to encourage somebody. That ought to bless somebody. That, that when we messed up, that God can still use us. When we've not done all that we could do and should do, and when we've not been all that we could be or should be, that it doesn't mean that we don't have a future and that we don't have uh, something that something big that God still wants to do in our lives. Paul was through with him, but God wasn't. Did you hear what I said? I said Paul was through with Mark, but God wasn't. And so there's sometimes when people have given up on us, or sometimes when you've given up on people, you need to be careful of who you so quickly give up on. Because God can steal and might steal, use them not only for his kingdom and for his glory, but I tell you this, God also has a way of using people that you've given up on to turn around and be a blessing to you. Amen, somebody. All right, so it's that same mark, y'all. It's that same mark that 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 and 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 you got to read you got to read uh, over in Timothy because Paul does not keep this grudge for the rest of his life. Amen. He just keeps it for a long time, but before he dies, he gets all right with Mark. Glory to God. Let, let me let me just preach a word right there. You ought not take everything in your grave. It's some stuff you ought to get over before you die. My God, it's a word right there. It's some stuff you ought to let go of before you die. It's some folk you ought to forgive before you die. Amen. You, you ought not take some of this stuff, to, some of these grudges to the grave with you. Who am I talking to right now? Paul, Paul, and it's in it's in Timothy, in, in, in the epistle to, uh, uh, that he writes to Timothy. He says, bring with you my scrolls, bring with you my cloak, and also bring with you John Mark, for he is profitable to me. So evidently, even though Paul had issues with Mark, he evidently got over it. And I wish somebody would type in the timeline right now, get over it. You've been carrying some of this stuff too long, get over it. You've been holding on to some of this stuff for too long, get over it. It's old. It doesn't look good on you. And, and there's some people around you who are even tired of being around you because you keep bringing it up. Get over it. Gee whiz. It's, it's like the person in the White House right now. Get over it. It's, it's done. It's over. Move on. Get over it. I'm through. Let me not go there. But it's some stuff you need to get over. It's old. It it doesn't it it doesn't serve you well. It doesn't serve the kingdom well. It doesn't serve the body of Christ well. 
Get over it. All right. So who is Mark? I told you who he is. John Mark, uh, Barnabas's cousin, uh, a helper uh, who 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 has an issue uh, with with Paul, but they get over it. Amen. And they come back together. The gospel finally, in our, our last few minutes together, here we go. The gospel has three components. The gospel has three components. And these, these are all gospels, but particularly the gospel of Mark. First component, the time is fulfilled. The time is fulfilled. When you read the gospels, all of the gospels, you're walking away or you should walk away with the understanding that the time is fulfilled. What time are you talking about? What time am I talking about? I'm talking about... Jesus having been promised as the Messiah, that Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy of the Old Testament, that 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 this coming Christ, this coming King, on whose shoulders the government would rest, right? That 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 Isaiah prophesied about, that that time is fulfilled in Christ. That's what the gospel should tell should should teach us, should remind us. And all of the gospels ought to do this for us, that that time is fulfilled. Jesus has not come to start a new religion. And Jesus tells us this in his ministry. He says, listen, I've not come to destroy the law, but I have come to what? To fulfill it. So it is the time being fulfilled. Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecies of the old, the Old Testament. The gospel, second component of the gospel, the kingdom of God is at hand. When we read the gospel, the fact that Jesus has come and Jesus says this to us, the kingdom is near, right? He said, he teaches this to his disciples, that the kingdom of God is near. And he says this to his disciples also, wherever you are, the kingdom of God is near, is with you. Wherever we are as the body of Christ, we are the kingdom of God. That's why he teaches his disciples in this prayer. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Right? That, that we who are the ambassadors of Christ, we who are citizens of the kingdom, wherever we go, we then represent and carry with us the kingdom. We are kingdom citizens. My God. And I need, uh, I'm going to get in trouble. No, I'm not. So, so as kingdom citizens, we really need to have a very different understanding and perspective about national politics. I could really go somewhere right here. I'm not going to go right now, but but as kingdom citizens, we need if if we're really kingdom citizens, we got to know that this place is not our home. And while we while we should be good citizens of our country, we we need to understand that we are citizens, there's another kingdom above us. Help me, help, help me, Holy Ghost. Yeah. And, and so as a kingdom citizen, watch this, watch this. I represent 
I represent a king that is not of this world. Oh, good God Almighty. <laughs> As a kingdom citizen, I represent a king that is not of this world. My language is language of the kingdom. My, my actions are actions of the kingdom. My perspective is a perspective of the kingdom. Which means, which means, watch this, y'all, which means that, that my citizenry, while I'm a citizen, watch this, while I thank God, yeah, that I'm an American and I'm born, and I, I, I got all of that, but I'm not so wrapped up in this place. Let, let me, let me, let me, listen, listen. Listen, we, we, listen, see, that's why I love, that's why I love the angelic choir and seasoned saints and people who sing songs like, 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 I, I'm just a stranger here traveling through this barren land because that says to me, I'm not, I'm not here to stay. I'm a citizen of another kingdom. All right, all right, all right, all right. Thirdly, and I'm through. Thirdly, and I'm through. Thirdly, and I'm through. Here it is. Um, the, 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 last, the last component of all the Gospels. Repent and believe. At the end of the day, all the Gospel writers, all the Gospel writers want the readers of those Gospels to get to the place and get to the point where he or she repents and believes. It's not just about an entertaining story and an entertaining read. It is that at the end of this gospel, you might be so convinced and so compelled that Jesus is the Christ, that you would leave that reading, get on your knees, repenting and believing. Amen. I'm through, y'all. But my soul is happy. We're going, we're going to, we're going to, you're going to enjoy, I promise you, I promise you, that this, this is not going to be just a, just a humdrum, the Mark, the gospel of Mark. I promise you, it's going to be good, y'all. So, uh, so y'all get ready. We're going to be in it for, for, for a little while. Um, I don't know how long, but, but, uh, uh, for a little while. So, uh, y'all, y'all be ready. Listen, um, continue to pray, continue to pray for our church family, continue to pray for those who are bereaved. I mentioned some on Sunday, um, uh, Deacon Hartfield lost a brother, Sister uh, uh, Green and, and Sister uh, Frankie Adams. Uh, Johnson uh, lost, uh, lost um, a brother as well. 
Um, keep them in your prayers. Keep uh, uh, Sister Williams, Lenora Williams, in your prayers uh, in, in ICU. Um, um, I, I didn't write notes down, so I'm, I'm trying to go off of memory right now. So uh, keep those individuals in your prayers. Keep Reverend Southward, uh, who's recovering uh, from a heart attack. Keep him in your prayers as well. Uh, go ahead and populate the line. If you've got some prayer requests, uh, we will uh, lift them up in prayer as well. Amen. Go ahead and populate uh, those lines with your prayer requests uh, as we get ready uh, to uh, bid you good evening. Pray for our nation. Pray for our nation. Pray for our nation. Watch this. Pray for our city. Pray for our city. Pray for our city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. While you're praying for the nation, bring it home. Pray for the city. Pray for the city. Pray for the city. Amen. We got enough. We've got enough to keep uh, keep our, our 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 keep us on our knees. Shelby Moore, pray for the family. Amen. We will do that. Pray for my wife Stephanie Johnson. We will do that, Brother Johnson. Amen. God bless you. Uh, Shirley Owens is requesting uh, Mary Henderson's father passed. Uh, pray for Mary Henderson's father. Thank you, Sister Owens, uh, for lifting that up. Amen. Um, please keep Marcus Cheatham in your prayers. He's in D.C. and he is okay. God bless you. Thank you, Cheatham, for letting us know that. Amen. Marcus Cheatham in our prayers. Amen. We will do that. Uh, please pray for Mr. and Mrs. Hill. Amen. We will keep them in the prayers as well. Um um, uh, Marquila Powell is also in the D.C. area, so keep her in your prayers. Any other family members uh, that we have in D.C., Marquila Powell, that's what I was mentioning, keep her in your prayers. Pray for our children as they return to school. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Sister Guy, uh, Michelle Guy, for lifting up our children, keeping them in our prayers as well. Uh, Kathleen Turner, our nation and our state. Amen. Uh, we will do just that. Um, Dwayne Wilson asking for prayer for your family as well. Amen. We will do that. Go ahead. Um, yes, Sister Cropper. Thank you, Kenyatta Cropper. Thank you for uh, reminding us. Um, uh, let, let me speak with you uh, at, at, at the close of this session. I'll, I'll give you a call, Kenyatta, uh, for an update. Uh, let's keep her, keep Sister Cropper uh, in your prayers as well. Pray for the Woodard family in Port Gibson. God bless you. Thank you, Sister Bell, Rose Bell. Uh, let's do that as well. Uh, Alista Morgan for Tanja Bridgman. Okay, we will do just that. Um, uh, let's do that. Uh, Alista, let me know what's going on there. Um, amen. Lenora Williams, we mentioned her as well. We will keep her in our prayers. Um, as well, praying for Ben and Cedric McNeil. Amen. Amen. Those who are uh, serving and they're in that area as well, I believe. Is that right? Uh, DC area. Uh, we want to keep them in, in our prayers as well. Those are, uh, uh, Navy, is it Navy? Is that Na Navy? That's right. Navy men, uh, uh, who are serving our country. Amen. We want to keep them in our prayers as well. Amen. God bless you. Let's pray tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you tonight that you are the able God. We thank you, Lord, that you see, hear, and know all things. Not only do you see, hear, and know all things, but you do all things exceedingly well. And so, Lord, because you do them well, we pray for peace and we pray for protection. 
you know our loved ones and where they are and how they serve in the various capacities, whether that uh, be in our military or in our state government, whether that be in our armed forces, our secret service, or if they serve uh, in local politics or in local law enforcement, wherever they are and however they are in this moment right now, God, we pray your hedge of protection around them. Keep them in your care. God, we lift up our school children, our children who are going back to school. Lord, we pray that you would bless them. Keep them safe physically. You know all that they face and will face. And not only our ch children, but the teachers and those who will be in the school systems. Those who are now there right now, God, we pray that you bless them and keep them. Keep them in your care. God, all the names who have been brought up in this timeline, you know the needs, you know the concerns. God, you know what needs to be restored. You know what needs to be healed. You even know where our faith needs to be propped up. And so, God, we pray that by your spirit and by your might, you do those things that only you can. Grant, oh God, your peace and your grace. As we go from this place, post your angels beside us. Keep us forever in thy care. We ask it in the mighty matchless name of Jesus. He who has all authority and he who does things with intentionality exceedingly well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. We will see you soon. Good night and good night.